At the ANA Inspiration, one of the LPGA's major championships, you had what seemed like a fairly typical situation. A first-round contender, Janet Lynn, was playing with a set of irons that she had just put into play that week. This happens all the time. At the highest level, golfers are particular to the point of obsessive when it comes to their equipment. So when they want to change something, they do. Simple as that. Except here, it wasn't so simple. In fact, it was the opposite of simple. Because as Golf Channel reported, the Mizuno irons Lynn had in her bag were clubs she had to pay for out of her own pocket. And when that part of the story hit social media, the reaction was pretty fierce. Understandably so. Lynn's a professional golfer, not only playing in, but in contention in one of the most important tournaments of the year. And she had to whip out her credit card to pay for the club she wanted. Turns out, the story had a few additional layers. It was actually a situation where Lynn needed clubs rushed to her. Mizuno didn't have the shafts that she needed in stock, and they determined they couldn't get the equipment in time. So Lynn went to Edwin Watts to get the irons for herself, while her fitter called Nippon and got the shafts. The point is that while Mizuno never asked Lynn to pay them for clubs, as was the original implication, they acknowledged their team could have handled the communication better. More to the point, though, the situation brings with it a nagging question. How would Janet Lynn's equal on the PGA Tour have handled this type of situation? For starters, had this been a top 100 PGA Tour player, good enough to contend in a major, he likely would have already had an equipment deal in place, so his fitter wouldn't be trying to get in touch with a company he's never worked with before. If there was a problem with his equipment, the player could have visited an equipment van on tour. There are eight of them on the PGA Tour every week, compared to the one on the LPGA Tour. And even if there was no other solution, and Joe PGA Tour Pro had to drive into town and buy a new set of irons for himself, Let's not forget that he's making the type of money through big purses and ample sponsorship opportunities where that sort of purchase wouldn't give him a second's thought. And that is the real issue here. I'm Keely Levins, and this is Local Knowledge, where we take a deep dive into the most compelling stories in golf. Today, we're going to talk about women's golf and the staggering divide between how the best men golfers in the world and the best women golfers in the world make a living. Everyone knows that a PGA Tour player makes more money than an LPGA Tour player. The number 100 player in the world on the PGA Tour in 2019 made $1.7 million. On the LPGA Tour, that player made $127,365. That's a little more than 10% of what a man at the same level makes. But those are just numbers. To understand how financially difficult it is to really play on the LPGA Tour, you need to look deeper and understand that the disparity in money between the best men and women factors into every element of the game. It trickles into how women golfers travel, how they compete, and how, in a strange way, it makes them more driven to win than their male counterparts. I started where this whole conversation started, with equipment. How do players get clubs? How do you determine who gets what? And how do you know when you're getting a return on your investment? Take Mizuno, for instance. As Jeremy Galbraith, director of golf at Mizuno, explains, their policy revolves around exempt status. No matter what tour you're on, if you're on the Champions Tour, the 
PGA Tour, the LPGA, the Corn Ferry, if you have fully exempt status at Mizuno, we will provide you free equipment, provided we go through the proper channels to, to make that happen. And that's without any kind of equipment deal. Players get fit for clubs or try the clubs out somewhere and then contact the company. Depending on the company, the clubs will be built off of the specs sent to them by the fitter. Sometimes, players come on tour having already played a company's clubs for a long time, and then they decide to continue playing them once they're on tour. In fairness to the Lynn story, Lynn didn't have an established relationship with Mizuno prior to the ANA. Had she, her specs would have been on file, making everything easier. I've been with Ping since I was like 12 years old. That's 27-year-old Lindsay Weaver currently in her third year on tour, owner of one top 10 finish on the LPGA tour. So they obviously give me clubs at no charge. Um, and they have been really good about that. And I, and I'm not sure, I think I, I would say most girls have a club company that they're at least associated with that gives them product for free. Um, but I, I mean, I, I've been kind of surprised at the stories that I have heard in terms of club companies having players, players at, at the level that they're at paying for clubs. For balls, gloves, and shoes, she's on a popular Titleist FootJoy deal. And it's worth noting that as tough as it is for LPGA players, if you want to play the Titleist ball and glove, you won't have trouble getting them. The Titleist rep is out here like every week giving players product. They um, work with quite a few players out here. I would say it's in like an overwhelming amount of girls play the Titleist ball. And if, and if they don't, then it's quite a bit of Callaway as well. Titleist LPGA Tour rep Ann Kane is always posting on her Twitter account videos of a hotel room full of these bags Weaver's talking about. Angel Yin, a 22-year-old from California who has played on two Solheim Cup teams, is on the same ball and glove deal. She's had more trouble locking in a consistent equipment deal, but at least she gets her clubs for free. I kind of just use whatever I like and I contact the company and be like, hey, so you want to give me some free clubs? <laughs> so, and then that's pretty much it. And they're really nice usually. One of the most obvious examples of how many more equipment deals there are on the PGA Tour compared to the LPGA Tour can be seen in the number of equipment vans on site at events. If you're at a PGA Tour event, you'll see eight massive vans parked, one for each major manufacturer. They're there to service all the guys playing their equipment. Out on the LPGA Tour, there's one, Paul's van. Paul Bomer is the LPGA Tour's club technician. If you've got a problem with your clubs, no matter what company they're from, you go to the van and Paul will fix it. On the busiest days of the year, he'll help a hundred women with their clubs. Part of the reason there are so few full bag equipment deals on the LPGA Tour could be because it's hard to financially justify paying players to play certain equipment. When someone, regardless of which tour they play on, plays an iron, how does a company know how many club sales that translates to? Back to Mizuno's Jeremy Galbraith. I don't know that we ever know that number. <laughs> um, you know, in fact, from our company's perspective, we've probably gotten a lot more run from people that we don't pay to play our golf clubs yeah. that, that, pay, that play our golf clubs. So if you're looking at it in terms of ROI dollars and cents, I don't think we can ever look somebody in the face and say, boy, we really cashed in. And let's be honest, 
It has to be especially hard to financially justify the investment of paying someone to play your clubs when that player's on the LPGA Tour, who's only on network TV four times a year for a few hours on the weekend, getting about a quarter of the viewership compared to the PGA Tour. As a leader in the CBD industry, CBDMD is committed to providing you with high-quality, THC-free CBD oil products. Whether you're gunning for a raise or a gold medal, you need to stay at the top of your game. Everyone from weekend warriors to pros, like two-time Masters champion Bubba Watson, trust CBDMD to give them the natural support and relief that they need to reach their goals. And with so many world-class athletes like Bubba turning to CBDMD, you can be sure you're getting a safe, clean product. From tinctures to topicals to bath bombs and even pet products, they've got something for everyone. In my experience, CBD products make an unexpected and always appreciated gift, so that's definitely something to keep in mind as the holiday season quickly approaches. To make it even easier to discover the potential of CBD for yourself, CBDMD is offering our listeners 25% off your purchase when you use the code DISCOVERY at checkout. Once again, that's cbdmd.com, promo code D-I-S-C-O-V-E-R-Y, for 25% off your order of premium CBD oil products from CBDMD. But equipment is only one part of the equation, and it's honestly one of the cheapest parts of being on tour, because while you're not likely to get paid to play a company's equipment, you might still be able to get their gear for free. Instead, it's the amount of money you have to spend just to get to play in a tournament that adds up. The LPGA Tour plays 33 weeks in a normal year, traveling all across the country, over to Europe and all over Asia, the LPGA Tour doesn't have the same purses as the PGA Tour, but as Lindsay Weaver learned, it does have all the travel expenses, maybe even more. Coming out into the LPGA, it was it was kind of a, I guess I wasn't really surprised, but it, it's, it's definitely a big factor um, and it's a big, pretty big stress. Um, just, you know, rental cars and flights and um, hotels and it's just it really adds up week to week. And so if it's kind of like, if you're not making money, it's like you're shelling out a couple, a couple thousand at least, you know, with the caddy and everything, it's, it's at least like a few thousand dollars, like three, four, five thousand dollars sometimes just to play that week. Weaver has cut costs in a surprising way this season. She's been using a push cart. She used it at the AIG Women's British Open this year, where she finished T-19. Usually, Weaver uses a local caddy, but in an effort to limit the number of people that are coming in and out of the tournament bubble, the tour isn't allowing local caddies this year. Because of that, they're allowing push carts, which is a significant money saver. So the rate for a local caddy is $100 a day plus tip, so some somewhere around $700, but for a, like a professional caddy that you hire out here, um, it's like... 1200 to 1400 plus percentage if you make an if you make the cut which if you make the cut it's typically it's 1075 so 10 if you win 7% if you're top 10 and then uh, 5% outside of that which is great 
Except, let's remember that caddies are expensive for a reason. They help. Weaver might be losing a few shots around by using a push cart instead of having someone to strategize with on course. It is kind of weird, like, being out there by yourself when everybody else has, has like, you know, a team with them. Okay, so you've got the caddy expense that some women are getting around by using push carts. Others have a boyfriend, a friend, or someone in their family caddy for them. The other big expense is where to stay. Again, COVID has made this situation more complicated and more expensive because host housing isn't allowed, again, due to concern for controlling the bubble. In a typical year, women who don't stay at host houses would share rooms with other players to offset the cost. Again, with COVID, that's not allowed. Whenever I can't get housing, I try to stay with other girls, um, which isn't always possible. But I mean, this, this year, we're not really allowed to be doing that either. Um, because if you test positive and then you're staying with someone, they would have to withdraw as well just due to contact tracing. Weaver mentioned that due to these expensive COVID changes, the tour is giving players a missed cut stipend. Usually when you miss a cut, you go home with nothing. But this year, since it's more expensive to play than ever, players are getting a check to help cover the additional costs. And even in normal seasons, host housing doesn't make sense for everyone. Back to Angel Yin. Not everyone's comfortable staying with a host family. For example, me, it's hard because I always feel very obligated to communicate and I feel bad for staying at their place for free. So I, 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 just, I just don't know how to act. So I feel more comfortable staying by myself. So we've got caddies, hotels, and then flights, obviously. Players drive when they can, an option that's more popular now than ever due to COVID. When I spoke to Yin, she was about to begin a 16-hour drive with her mom from Florida to Pennsylvania. Otherwise, they fly. This is one small benefit of the pandemic. Air travel is cheaper than usual. But do that every week just for the opportunity to make a paycheck, and it gets daunting. You think you're doing pretty well, and then you add up everything up at the end of the year, and it's like, oh my god, I spent this much money? Because it just goes so fast. Right, and it's all necessities. like. Yes. Mm -hmm. And that's not even counting other members on an LPGA Tours team who require compensation. I have a physio, which a professional term is called osteopath, that follows me to treat me and keep my body 100% so I can play at my best. We have, our tour provides us physios too, but at the same time, it's harder because well, recently, because of the pandemic, they can only treat you for like 15 minutes. Sometimes your body needs something longer, like you need more work stuff done, then you just have to hire your own. And then of course, you have to eat and pay your rent or your mortgage and your phone bill and your Netflix subscription, the list goes on. And what makes all of this harder is that most LPGA players are doing this without the support of sponsors. Again, this is not as much of an issue on the PGA Tour, where most players have a series of logos on their shirts and hat that reflect sponsors who are paying them. On the LPGA, meanwhile, the money used to pay for all of this comes predominantly from money won at tournaments. In the off-season, you're living on whatever you made during the season. My dad always tells me, like, money follows, it doesn't lead. So it's like, if you, as long as you just like keep playing well, like, money, money will follow and it'll take care of itself. 
but it's it's not something that you like really think about but even like for me it's like I I played pretty well at the beginning of like the restart and everything but then it's like um I missed the cut at ANA and then I, I had to withdraw in Portland for medical reasons. And so then it's like, Oh, I, I feel like I haven't made any money in a long time. So I'm like, Oh, I need to, I need to, you know, make money. It's so it's never, it's never like you feel secure. It's not like that on the PGA tour. Obviously you can see the deals guys get just by looking at their bags, shirts and Instagram posts. It's not even like that on the corn Ferry tour. So it's, it's just a very interesting dynamic and it's like the only job that you can you can really that that it's like this where you spend thousands of dollars every week just to have the opportunity to make money so it's like every week you're already like this much money in the hole even a player of yin status feels like the only real way to make money is by winning it at a tournament you can't rely on a sponsor to take the financial stress off of your tour life despite playing on two solheim cups and being ranked as high as top 30 in the world she's only found a few sponsors I have my bag, KBS. He's actually uh, more like a friend than a sponsor. He's a good friend of my coach. And then he just was like, hey, you know, I want to help you out. I was like, oh, great. <laughs> I love it. I love help. <laughs> so that's how, that's how I went. Um, great guy. Um, we, this is our second year together. Uh, Titleist for Bond Glove. And then... My clothing sponsor, JDX, who have been, who we've, we, we've worked together since I played on an LPGA. So it's been quite some time. And then, yeah, that's about it. <laughs> Not a lot for someone who uh, played on two Solheims. This isn't new for LPGA Tour players. Meg Mallon, 18-time LPGA Tour winner, four-time major champ and World Golf Hall of Fame member, is a prime example of how results on the LPGA Tour don't automatically equate to sponsorship deals. In 2004, um, I was um, probably top, top two or three Americans at the time. Um, I had no sponsorship. I was the leading um, Solheim Cup American of all time on points at that point. I had no sponsorships. I played the U.S. Open in 2004 wearing a USGA U.S. Open cap, and I won the tournament. <laughs> um, so that, to me, was even, even though I had had a, you know, a great career, played well, top American, didn't have a sponsor. Um, I got one after that. Fidelity Investments came to me after that, which was fantastic. Um, so some companies come through, but it's even, you know, it's always been the story of, of women's golf. Uh, not necessarily your performance all the time that does get you sponsors. And, and I was kind of proof of that. <laughs> Malin had already won three majors by that point. You can be a proven success on tour and still not be guaranteed sponsorship. If winning majors isn't going to get you sponsors, what will? I'm not going to lie. It hurt. Like, it, it hurt because, you know, it's like, you know, do I need to lose weight? Do I need to be prettier? All the things that, that women do to themselves, right? Is that what it is? And, and honestly, that didn't, I, I mean, I knew that was part of it, certainly a big part of being a, a female athlete. But um, it didn't affect how I was going to play. I was never going to let it affect my psyche. But 
you know, they just weren't coming my way. It was an older player, been around a long time, you know, and it just, the appeal wasn't there. Other players of Malin's era were facing the same issues. And I remember when Laura Davies in the mid nineties was one of the top players in the world and Nike came to offer her five grand for the year. And it was so insulting, you know, it was just so insulting, like, you know, thinking that they were doing her a favor. And, and that, that's how you always felt. If you're going to gamble on golf, you may as well do it right. And for any golf fan who's curious about betting on golf but hasn't gotten serious about it, we have the podcast for you. Be Right is Golf Digest's weekly gambling podcast featuring the latest PGA Tour intel and picks from an expert panel that is up nearly 300 units this season. That's a gambling term, by the way. With thoughts from some of fantasy sports' brightest minds and even an anonymous tour caddy at our side, we've done our best to turn betting on golf into a science to help you make money off golf. While we can't promise that you'll come out ahead every week, we can guarantee you'll be well-informed and entertained along the way. So stop doing golf wagers wrong and join us on Be Right. You know that argument you hear every once in a while about the PGA Tour? How guys now aren't as tough as they were back in the Palmer or Nicholas eras because back then they had to play for small paychecks? It made them tougher, the argument goes, grittier, more willing to fight for the win because their livelihood depended on it. If you believe that argument, then LPGA Tour players are tougher than any PGA Tour player, and they've been tough for a long time. Not being able to get substantial sponsorships, as Angel Yin describes, has put players' focus on the true task at hand, winning golf tournaments. We only make money if we make the cut of an event, and it's only if there is an event. For example, this year we had no income um, because we're not like other athletes where they sign multi-year deals and they get paid, uh, I think pretty much regardless, our paycheck really depends on each tournament we play and if there's a tournament. I never played for sponsorships. I knew, you know, from the get-go it was so fickle. So that's why, you know, I always felt like my performance was was more important anyway. Um, and it was just a bonus to get sponsors. But, you know, in this day and age, I think players deserve a lot more should not feel that way um, anymore because their value is definitely there, just like our, ours was then, but it was just a harder, harder thing to sell. The selling, unfortunately, is still complicated, and not just on a case-by-case -case basis for players on tour. It extends up the chain to the LPGA Tours Commissioner Mike Wan as he sells the tour as a whole. Earlier this season, Juan referenced a Nielsen study that said while only 7% of corporate sponsorships around the globe go to women's sports, about 84% of fans would be interested in watching women's sports. This is equal parts encouraging and infuriating. I'm more of a bad news first kind of person, so let's talk about why 93 cents of every corporate sponsorship dollar spent on sports is going to men's sports. Juan says it's all about the mentality of ad agencies. The number one challenge for the LPGA is ad agencies. Um, ad agencies, you know, so if you have a customer saying, I'm thinking about spending $4 million with the LPGA over to ad agency, what do you think? And I always tell the CEOs and the CMOs, just remember your ad agency is not getting a commission on your investment in the LPGA. But if you buy a TV time 
they're probably going to make pretty good money on the TV buy. So, so one, ad agencies look at this and say, I can't justify the number of eyeballs we're delivering for the dollar relative to give me that money and I'll buy an ad campaign. It's impossible to argue against the TV numbers the PGA Tour produces. The LPGA, when they are on network TV, which is usually four times a year, they produce about a quarter of the viewership that the PGA Tour does. I should mention, when the LPGA Tour is on network TV, they're paying for it, while the PGA Tour is paid to be on TV. The argument can be made that the number is skewed, because the LPGA Tour gets so few opportunities to achieve a loyal following on network TV. It's an argument that can extend to how brands like ours cover the women's game, in print and online. We do cover it, but because the audience interest is smaller, we cover it less, and the cycle continues. The one bright spot in this argument, Juan says, is that the tour is growing. It's apparent in the purse sizes on tour. In 2020, the schedule originally had 33 events on it, with the women playing for $75.1 million. In 2010, it was 24 events, with $41.4 million as the total season purse. The current social climate is in part to thank. Companies have always looked internally when they talk about corporate values, what we mean, what's important to us, you know, women, minority, leadership. Um, they've always talked about that as an inside the building thing. In the last five or six years, companies are finally starting to hold that same mirror up to their dollars spent and realizing how can we have this conversation about equality and at the same time spend 97% of our dollars on male sports. Think about where you work. The conversations about diversity and inclusion are happening constantly. It makes sense that the same conversations, the same values, will eventually be applied to women's sports. There, there is no doubt that we are, we, are, we are in the middle of a new awakening. How fast that awakening goes, how global that awakening goes, and what's the, you know, what's the threshold, I don't know. Um, but I can tell you it's never, been, um, it's never been more enjoyable to sell my sport in the corporate world. I know this conversation started with a player who bought a set of irons at a store and that the situation itself was pretty convoluted. But the one really good thing that came out of it was exactly what Juan's talking about. The fact people were getting upset about it shows signs of this awakening spreading into women's golf. People were upset enough to question the situation, to ask if it was right, if it was fair. That the fairness mattered to enough people to start a mini golf Twitter explosion gives me some hope that we are in fact in the midst of an awakening. That the way things are for the Angel Yins and Lindsay Weavers of the LPGA Tour don't have to be as tough as they were for the Meg Mallons. That not tomorrow, but someday, being good enough to play on the LPGA Tour means not having to stress about a $1,000 hotel bill. Maybe those 84% of people who'd be interested in watching women's sports will tune into the LPGA and will want to read about the tour. Odds are, you don't watch the LPGA Tour as much as you do the PGA Tour. But the next time you put it on, think about what you're watching. Whoever wins that tournament or finishes second, that's real money that makes a real difference in getting them from one week to the next. This isn't about a PGA Tour star being able to buy his third vacation home. This is about golfers who might now be able to cover a year of expenses chasing their dream. 
Or, at the very least, it might be enough for them to not worry about paying for a set of irons. Local Knowledge is produced by Greg Gottfried with editorial guidance from Sam Weinman. Our music is Undeniable by Ketza. You can subscribe to Local Knowledge wherever you get your podcasts, and we welcome a review as well. Also, for expert picks, betting advice, and insights into the action on the PGA Tour, please also make sure you subscribe to our Be Right podcast.